How many of you know that you learn most things from experience? You raise your hand. You know that. I mean, you can read a book on anything you want to, but you learn by experience. I want you to look in John chapter one, we, uh, chapter six. We had a great uh, uh, world evangelism revival. We, we left a sign up because we want to emphasize that, keep emphasizing that to you. I want you to understand, get a burden for missions. And for the whole month of February, we've been emphasizing, expressing our love to Christ through getting the gospel out to lost sinners. By the way, let me just share this with you. Yesterday, we kind of had a busy day, but uh, in, in between all the running here, there, and everywhere, uh, came in, had a, had a trucker call me on Saturday, not on Friday night, rather, and I, I thought I got his number correctly. Uh, he called, and I, I, he was under conviction or needed some help, and uh, he, he left a phone number, and I tried to call that number, and I couldn't reach him. And then when I came in, we had just a few minutes, little window from leaving down at Pink Hill to go somewhere else. And uh, so we ran into the house and I checked my answer machines. And as I had, he, he had called back and then I, another second trucker had called and I was listening to that message and the phone rang and it was the first trucker who'd called on Friday night and had called back again yesterday. Uh, his name is Marvin. Marvin lives in Indiana. Marvin's in his mid fifties or in, in his fifties. And uh, he had picked up one of the CDs. He was under conviction. And I talked to him about his problems. He said he'd been praying about some things in, in regard to his family and his own personal relationship with the Lord. And he'd been praying, but he didn't seem to be getting anywhere. He'd been asking God uh, to heal some things in his marriage and to work out some things about his work. And, and so as we began to talk, I, began to, I asked him and went back to the very beginning. I said, now, Marvin, the main thing is this. I said, are you saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you ever had a time when you bowed your head and you recognized you were lost and you asked him to come in your heart and saved you? And he said, no. And I wonder how many people in the sound of my voice today and in this building are trying to have a relationship with God and you're trying to pray and you wonder why things are not working and you're not even saved. You're not his child. And so I shared the gospel with Marvin and we talked for some length of time and uh, he was in, he was from Indiana, but he was in Illinois driving. And I said, Marvin, I said, I know that you cannot bow your head. I said, but right now, would you like, and would you be willing to give your heart to the Lord? And he said that I would. And so we, I prayed and then led him in a prayer and he prayed. And I want you to pray for Marvin. He, he acknowledged the fact that he did trust Christ and that he, he, he was saved. He was going to try to call his wife and try to contact some other people, let them know he got saved. So you pray for him. Pray that God would work and God would bless in that regard. And I'm thankful for all the opportunities that you and I have to share the gospel, to get the gospel out to individuals. Look here in this story. In John chapter number six, very familiar passage of scripture that you have read about, studied about in Sunday school. And I know that you, you have heard the, uh, this passage of scripture many times. I trust God will speak to your heart. Notice in John chapter six, after these things, Jesus went over the sea of Galilee, which is the sea of Tiberias and a great multitude followed him because they saw the miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into the mountain and there he sat with his disciples and the Passover, a feast of the Jews was nigh. And when Jesus lifted up his eyes and he saw a great multitude, a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, "Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? This he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. 
One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. And there were, was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he'd given thanks, he distributed to disciples, and the disciples to them that sat down. And likewise, the fishes, as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Will you bow with me for prayer? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the blessed privilege of being here today. And God, for the great singing. Thank you for blessing Regina and the choir. And God, I want to thank you for the messages and the songs that they sang to stir our heart and bless us. And God, I'm glad we've never got over experience in old time grace and salvation. I thank you that God, there's new grace for us day by day. And I pray God, the Holy Spirit now will empower me. God, I know that you've laid this passage on my heart. I pray Holy Ghost of God that you take over and speak through me and say just exactly what you want to say. Show me truth. Show the church truth. Show those in the radio audience and those in the, in the internet audience who may not know Christ, that Jesus loved them and died for them. And I pray, God, that they'd be born again by the grace of God and will thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. In your Bible, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have what's called the Synoptic Gospels, which are the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And that, they, that term's used because they parallel each other and give the same story uh, and sometimes with just a little bit of added information from time to time. But here's a story that is in all four Gospels. It's repeated over and over again, four different times. And as I begin to read this passage of scripture, this simple little story that you've studied in vacation Bible school, and it does not seem as, as tremendous as the resurrection of Lazarus. It doesn't seem to be as, as amazing maybe as, as him healing the woman with the issue of blood. It doesn't seem to excite you maybe as much as when he opened blind Bartimaeus' eyes. But this is in fact a miracle of our Lord that's repeated four different times. And for that very reason, if it was in there once, it would be significant. It'd be a blessing. But for some reason, the Lord chose, the Holy Ghost of God chose to give us this story, a simple little story on four different occasions into the four different gospels. Why? Because I think there are great lessons to be learned. And I want to preach to you this morning for just a few minutes on lessons from the leftovers. Lessons from the leftovers. Notice this passage of scripture, if you will, please. And there are several things I call your attention to as we begin to go through and look at this. First of all, I want you to notice the lesson. If you look in your Bible, notice what happens as they have come. They have been ministering in God's bless. In the other gospel, it says that because they were river, the Lord said, come apart and rest a while. And so they go into a mountain and the great multitude follows them. In one of the other gospels, in the three other gospels, it says when he saw this great multitude, he was moved with compassion and he taught them for some length of time all the way through the day. He shared truth with them, with all this great multitude. But then he had compassion, not just on them sharing the truth, but on their physical needs. And he said, he said now to Philip, he said, what are we going to, how are you going to feed all this people? What are you going to do? 
And, but now notice a little simple little statement that he is given by the Holy Spirit of God about this. And he said, when he saw these people, he said to Philip, whence uh, shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him. Now, here's the lesson. Here in life's circumstance, God's going to teach a wonderful lesson. I believe you ought to preach the gospel to every creature. I believe you ought to teach the word of God to every person. I believe that's his command to teach people to observe whatsoever things he commanded us. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we have services and why we preach the word of God. That's why we have the Bible Institute to teach people the word of God. But I want you to learn, know this, that you'll learn biblical truth by experience, not by just reading it. I was talking to another pastor in Alabama this morning, and he was telling me about uh, some situations. And, uh, and it, here was, the, here was the, uh, the gist of the whole conversation. So many churches across America are just sitting idle. His son has started a new church down in Panama City, Florida. He started the church on the first Sunday. He had 45 and just last Sunday, they had about twice that many. And a, a representative of the Southern Baptist Convention came and, and met with him. And he said to him, Jason, you do understand that by having 45 your first Sunday, you're in the top 85% of Baptist churches in the Southern Baptist Convention. On an average, there are less than 40 in the Southern Baptist churches. They may have 300 on the roll. But so far as an active attendance, working, ministering, worshiping body, on an average around 40 to 50 is 85% of the churches in America. My dear friend, here, here's a, a wonderful lesson. And I, we talk about it. And what we found is this, that mo most of those churches, the truth is preached. The word of God is taught. And they come and they sing their songs and they, they hear the word of God and they, they teach great fundamental truths. But there's no living of that truth. There's no practicing of that truth. And they've done what James said. They become hearers only and not doers of the word. And God would have us to be doers of the word. And Jesus taught this whole crowd and he's teaching the word of God. But he wants them to learn practically and real, real Bible truth. In action. And so this whole scenario of the mountainside scene with 5,000 men plus the women and children and this, this huge problem they have of trying to feed this crowd and the miraculous event that would take place, he wants them to learn something. Notice what he said. He said he did ask this question to prove him. Here's the lesson. You remember David? David, when he was a young boy, came to deliver some bread and cheese to his brothers who were on the front line of the battle against the Philistines. And when he got there, of course, uh, uh, the Goliath was there and he was, he was boasting and bragging and challenging the armies of Israel. They were all cowered down in fear, scared to death of this great giant Goliath. And, and David said, why doesn't somebody do something? And they said, well, look at him. I mean, there he is. He's nine feet tall. I mean, here we are. What are we going to do? And he said, I'll go fight him. Well, the word got around to King Saul. And so he brought David in and he said, you're just a lad. He said, but I'll go. He said, I got delivered the bear in my hand, delivered the lion in my hand. I'm not afraid to go fight this giant. And so what he did, you know what he did? He, he brought his own armor in. He was going to put his own armor on David. And here's what David said. David said, I can't use this. He said, I have not proved it. I've not proved it. Now, what's he mean by that? He said, I have not by experience learned the effectiveness of it. 
I've not learned how to utilize. I don't know how to use it. I don't know if it'll take care of me or not. I'm not there. And what, what he wants these disciples, here's the lesson, is a proving lesson. He wants them to come to realize a great truth that of provision, not just speculation, not just something they study in Sunday school, not just some verse they quote, my God shall supply all your needs by his physical. He wants them to learn in reality that their God is able to take care of every problem they've got. The average Baptist runs around just wringing and twisting their hands and oh me, poor me, what in the world am I going to do? They've never learned the lesson yet. They've never learned the lesson that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you're able to ask a thing and that God has made a promise and that God will keep his word. They've got to learn this, that they've got to decide if they're going to trust what they see or believe what he says. And my dear friend, that's the lesson. That's what they, they are to learn here in this situation. Now, not only do I want you to notice here this lesson and, 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 and you and I, if you look at their situation, you'd say, well, that's an impossibility. Look at, look at the great host of people, 5,000 men. And he said, let's feed them. Let's feed them. Well, you know, they're, they're traveling pretty light theirself. They don't have much and they don't have any money. And he said, this is an, and Philip and all the disciples would quickly agree. This is an impossible task because of the enormity of the problem and, and the great crowd that's here. But then the insufficiency of our funds. I don't have any way to handle this. You ever been there? You ever looked out here and saw great problems, great needs, but you know in reality that you cannot meet that need? And he's wanting them to learn a lesson. He wants to prove them. And they, here they are in an impossible circumstance because of the, the great huge crowd, the number of needs, and then their own insufficiency and inadequacy. They knew they can't do it. But he wants them to learn a lesson. And there's a wonderful lesson for me and you to learn in this passage of Scripture. You see, when you look around at the problem, you'll worry. But when you look at the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll worship. As long as he's with you, man, listen, as long as you're looking at him, look unto Jesus, the author and finish of your faith. Boy, it'll keep you going. If you look around and see all the problems, man, listen, you'll sink and you'll be worried. But if you look at him, you'll worship. I want you to notice this lad. Here, 5,000 men and the women and the other children. And, and, and in all of that great crowd, this Simon comes and says, he's, Andrew, he comes and says, there's a lad here. And he's got five barley loaves and two little fishes. Here's a boy who I don't know what little boys did in those days, but I know where he's at. He's on a mountainside listening to Jesus. He's gathered with this great host of people. I don't know if he came out of curiosity. I don't know if he came out of, out of an interest in what the Lord was saying. I'm not sure why he was there. But I do know that he was there. And he's in the right place. And I want to tell you right now, if you want to get help, you've got to get to the right place. And how many of you are so foolish then when you begin to have problems, the first thing you do is you stay at the house. You don't go to church. You tell me, Brother Bill, I've got a lot of problems trying to work things out. Or you got things on your mind. You get up, the devil's beat you down. And you just stay away from the place of worship. You stay away from the place of God. Here's a boy who came to the right place. He was at the feet of Jesus. 
He had the right provision. Notice what he had. He had, he had this little bit of fish. Two fish. Two small fish. I'll say a word about that in a minute. But he, he, he not only had the right provision, but he, he made the right presentation. What do you mean by that? That little boy had five barley loaves, two little fishes, and he gave it every bit to the Lord. He didn't give him part of it. He gave it all to him. He said, Lord, I'm going to give you everything I've got. There's such a great need out here, and I know good and well that what's in my hand, my little bit of something, is not going to meet the need. But somehow or another, this little boy knew that if he take his little bit out of his little hand and put it in the big hand of God, that God could do something with it. And my dear friend, as long as you're trying to do it with your own little bit, with your own little hands, you'll stay in trouble the rest of your life. One problem after another, one difficulty, after another, never have any victory, never have any peace, never have any joy until you learn to just give it all to him. He gave him all of his lunch. He gave it all to him. In fact, let's look at what he gave him. Look at the lunch. He said he gave him five barley loaves and two little fishes. During our revival, Brother Brad sang a song, Little as Much if God is in it. Now, when we were in the Philippines, and all up and down the road, side road, and, and everywhere you went, and through the market and everything, they had fish. They had no ice. They had no refrigeration. They had flies and lots of fish. Fish laying out there. We rode by through town one morning. I saw this uh, little boy out there and, and, and his mom or dad or somebody, and they had some big fish and they had some little fish. And when we came back later that afternoon, same fish staying, laying there, 104 degrees, been laying there all day long. I didn't feel led to eat any of that. But if you, if you ever go to the Philippines, you'll see they got baskets all around everywhere. And they got a little fish about this long in there. It's a sardines. Call it sardines like we call our sardines. They're little fish and they're dried. And that's what they eat. They'll go by and dry the, buy those dried fish and they'll eat them just like you'd eat potato chips. They'd eat that fish. Head, tail, bones, everything. Eat the whole thing. Now, when we think about fish, we're thinking about... Is big old crapping, big old bass and all that, or flounder. That's not what this little boy had. You know what he had? He had no refrigeration. He didn't have a cooler, had anything. What he had was probably two little sardines about that long, dried, and he probably had them in a little bag or a little leather pouch, carrying them. Not, no, not huge fish, not fresh fish. Dried, little old dried sardine fish is all he had. And when he talks about five loaves, now you think about a little boy. And, and, when, and when in your mind, when I say the word loaves, you think about a loaf of French bread, about, you know, foot and a half long, about that big around. Well, you think about a little boy trying to carry, he'd have to carry them all up under his arm and everywhere else if he's carrying that. No, it's not where he's carrying. He's carrying something called a matzah. And, it's a, and they have a very similar thing in, in the Philippines and other places in the Middle East country. It's a little bitty flat piece of pressed bread. Sometimes it's like cornmeal. Sometimes it's like a flour. Sometimes it's, and this particular one's made out of barley. Barley. And I've, I've heard old preachers say one time, the reason they call it barley bread is called it is, it is 
barley bread. It's just barely bread. It's just, it's just a little bitty old, kind of like a saltine cracker. He had sardines and saltine crackers. That's what he had. Just five little bitty cracker looking things and two dried fish. You say, that's not much. No, it's not much. Long as he kept it in his pouch. Long as he kept it in his hand. And if he'd run off out there behind the tree somewhere and he'd have nibbled on that bread and ate those fish just real quickly, that's all it would have mattered to. If he tried to hoard it and keep it for himself and not be willing to share and give it to the Lord, it wouldn't even be a story about it in the Bible. But because he was willing to give the Lord what he had, the little bit he had, and he gave him all of his lunch, he's in that book. Don't know his name, but he that day was responsible for feeding 5,000 men plus the women. Most of those men probably had a wife and most of them had some children. So it's likely as many as 15,000 people were fed with five saltine crackers and two dried up sardines because he put it in the hand of the Savior. That's what made the difference. Notice the lunch. But then also I want you to notice this. Notice not only this lunch, but I want you to notice the Lord. He took it. The Bible says four different times he took it. He took it. Now, that word, when it says he took it, he did not forcibly go to that little boy and intimidate him and take it from him. Neither did the disciples. Really, the word is he received it. Just like if I were to come to your house on your birthday and bring you a gift and you received gifts. It says in the New Testament that here we receive gifts of men. And the word took in this occasion does not mean a forcibly removing, but a grateful acceptance Jesus took it. He received it. What that boy offered. Can I tell you that he'll take it if you offer it to him? He'll take away your sin if you just yield it to him. He'll take away your burdens and cares. Cast all your cares on. If you'll give it to him, he'll receive it and he'll do something about it. But you've got to give it willingly. And this little boy offered willingly and Jesus took it. He received it gratefully and gladly. But the Bible says that when he took it, the Bible said he blessed it. Over and over again, it says he took it and he blessed it. And when he received that gift from that boy, he infused it with something. The word is graced it. He shed grace on it. Grace on it. He, he blessed it. He graced it. Now, what's that mean? It means that all that God is and all that God has and all God's power and God, all of God's ability was infused into two little dried up fish and five little crackers. And little as much if God, God is in it. He put himself in that. 
He put his power behind that. He put his wisdom behind that. This little boy didn't have an idea, didn't have a clue. The disciples didn't have a clue, but Jesus knew. In fact, look here in the Bible again and look at verse number six again. And this he said to prove him for he himself knew what he would do. Do you know that before they ever went up on the mountain, Jesus was a coming to the mountain. There's a little boy and mama said, wait a minute, son, you might need this today. And she dropped five little crackers and, and two little fishes in a sack for him. I wonder what caused her to do that. I wonder what, I know she's probably a good mama, took good care of him, but she's, he'd already made provision. And that little boy coming up one side of the mountain, Jesus coming up the other side of the mountain and here the meat. Jesus knew what that little boy was going to do. He knew he'd take that little boy's lunch. He knew he'd bless it. He knew what he's going to do. The Lord's able. God knows. Did you know that the, before he ever asked that disciple, how are we going to feed so many people? He already had the provision made. Do you know he already had the plan laid out of exactly how he would do that? He took it. He blessed it. He blessed it. And then he broke it. He broke it. And when he broke it, he gave it. And my dear friend, for you to get used of God, you have to bring it and give it. And if you'll give it, if you'll give him your life, if you'll give him your all, he'll bless it and he'll break you and he'll give you and use you. And this little boy, the Lord took this little boy's lunch and he blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it to those people. And he fed 5,000 people. And plus the women and children, as mentioned in another passage of scripture. Oh, what a blessing. But do you know, like Paul Harvey, that is not even what the story was about. You know what the story was about? Is about the leftovers. That's what it was all about. You say, Brother Billy, what do you mean by that? I want you to look with me, please. I want you to look in the book of Mark and where he gives this account. In the book of Mark, chapter number six. Look in Mark chapter six. The whole business of this is the leftovers. Notice in Mark chapter six, I want you to look at verse number 52. They out on a ship. A great storm comes up. This this. What I'm going to read to you now happens immediately after he fed 5,000 people. Immediately after he picked up five or 12 basketfuls of leftovers. And they get on the ship and they're going, uh, going across and the storm comes up and there's a great storm and they are tossed to and fro and they didn't know what to do. But the Bible says Jesus came walking to them on the water. And the Bible says they were afraid. They were fearful. But the Bible says in verse 50, for they all saw him and were troubled and immediately he talked with them and said unto them, be of good cheer. It is I be not afraid. And he went up into them into the ship and the wind ceased and they were so amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered for they considered not the miracle of the loaves. Now what's loaves got to do with being in a storm? They didn't get the lesson. 
says the heart was hard. Look over in chapter number eight, a little bit later in their experience. In chapter number eight, notice he's feeding this time 4,000. But in chapter number eight, look at verse 17. And when Jesus knew it, he said unto them, why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. He said, don't you understand yet? They said, we, we didn't bring bread. And God had to do another miracle. He said, he said, don't you understand yet? They didn't bring any bread. Don't you understand the whole scenario of what happened back there a little while ago? Have ye your heart, have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes see ye not, and having ears hear ye not, and do ye not remember? When I break the five loaves among 5,000, here's the question. How many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said 12. And when the seven among 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said seven. And he said unto them, how is it that you do not understand? You see, the lesson he wanted them to learn was about the leftovers. He wanted them to understand when he fed 5,000 with two little dried up fish and five little soda crackers, they had 12 basketfuls left, 12 huge basketfuls left over. And then he fed 4,000 and had seven baskets left over. He said, didn't you get the lesson of the last of leftovers? What is the lesson? In Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, he said this, he said, he said, our God is able to exceedingly abundantly above all you are able to ask or to think. The Bible says about this crowd, the 5,000 to 4,000, he said he gave them as much as they wanted and they were filled. He didn't go around, they didn't go around and just break off and give everybody a little taste. It was like a buffet. They kept going around, they kept giving them bread, they kept getting a fish till they got stuffed. They were full to overflow. And then they went through it and picked up the 12 basketfuls. Now what's he saying to them? He said, I'm able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you're able to ask or think. He said, there'll never be a problem. There'll never be a situation. There'll never be a difficulty in your life that I cannot overbless. I've got plenty left over. There's plenty left over. Now, Somebody said, what they do, those 12 baskets, some people say they gave them to the disciples. Some people said they took them with them on the ship. I don't know. But somehow or another, I know that some of it went back house with, with that little boy. And boy, you're talking about somebody that was excited when he went in the house. And he said, Mama, I want you to look what God gave us. He gave us all of this food, plus he fed 5,000 men maybe 5,000 women, 5,000 children, 15,000 people. And she said, oh, that was a great miracle. How did he do that? Did he rain it down from heaven? He said, no, mama. I give him my fish and my bread. And he took what little bit I gave him and he blessed them and he blessed the disciples and he gave us all this leftover and you and I can just live on the abundance of the leftover for a long time. Do you understand that when you try to hold and hoard and keep from giving to God, that you're depriving others of a blessing, that you're depriving others of seeing God work, but you're robbing yourself 
you could have a little dried fish or you can have 12 basketfuls and the decision's yours. He offered willingly, that little boy did, what God wanted him to have. That's grace. He just gave it and God blessed it. I'll ask you a question. You want to be blessed this morning? You want to be helped this morning? I told that trucker yesterday and I said, Marvin, I said, your problem is you want to work everything out. I said, you've got to give your heart to him and give yourself to him and then let him work it all out. And he did for the glory of God. And I thank the Lord for that. God's able. Do you know God's already got the provision made? Do you know that little boy was already on the way up with the provision? God was going to bless it. That little boy gave it. On Wednesday night, two weeks ago, I shared something with those who were here on Wednesday night that some of you may know, some of you may not know. Monday was, Monday week, last Monday, a week before that, Miss Eva had passed away. Uh, we had folks in the hospital. I was running here, there, and everywhere. I got my mail out of the box, and in the box was an envelope, big one. It was from the tour group that does the tour that this church sent us on last year, Abraham Tours. I just opened it hurriedly, and when I looked inside, there was all the paperwork for the cruise. There were boarding passes and everything else and times of arrival and what we need to carry. I just folded it too. I mentioned to Regina about it. I said, they sent us the pack for the tour. We've not made any kind of preparation. We didn't do any kind of deposit, didn't do anything. And I said, I need to call Lucille and tell her, make sure that they, they're not holding that room for us. But I got busy that day. And then we did the funeral for Miss Eva on Tuesday. And I left and I was going to the hospital at Rex. I can't remember who was in the hospital, but I was heading to Rex. And it dawned on me I had not called that lady. And so I picked up the phone and I called Lucille. And I said, Lucille, this is Brother Billy. And uh, we just spoke. And I said, Lucille, we got the pack with all of our boarding passes and everything on it. And I said, I, I think there's been some misunderstanding or something. I said, Tony and I talked about a few things. I said, but I've, I've not done anything, not made any preparation, anything. And, and besides that, I said, we, we decided we can't afford to go. We're not going to go. And she said, but Brother Billy, you can go. And I said, what do you mean? She said, it's already paid for. It's all paid for. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, Brother Billy, don't know exactly when, but sometime before Tony died, before Tony Green died, he came into the office here and he put a little note in your file. And he said, my compliments that Brother Billy and Miss Regina are supposed to go for free. It's already paid for. I'd broke my heart. I thought about it. Of all the people that Brother Tony knew, of all the preachers he's known, First Baptist Church of Dallas, First Baptist Church of Jacksonville, Brooklyn Tabernacle, that during the time of his death, he'd think about that and do that for me and Regina. But then I got to thinking about something beyond that. 
when I didn't have nothing to pay. And I really didn't have no idea I'd ever get to go. The Lord Jesus Christ had already paid the way. And he said it's a free gift. But you can go. But you can go. Because it's already paid for. You say, Brother Billy, I'm telling you in the radio audits and in the internet audits and in this building, it's already paid for. Scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, we didn't have one thing to pay. Christ died for us. He's already paid the debt. He's already paid the fee. And you can go because it's already paid for. But you must receive that free gift. I'd love for you to do that this morning. And for those of you who are saved, he did all of that for you. It's all free. What are you going to do for him? You say, Brother Bill, I don't have much. I got to thinking about this. I got an idea there was people in that crowd that day that probably had enough money in their pocket to buy everybody their lunch. Because everywhere he went, they had those people that were there. There were people there that could have done that. They had the means to do it. But they wouldn't. They didn't do anything. But one little old boy gave five little crackers and two small fish. And the Lord fed the whole crowd with it. My dear friend, I want to ask you what you're going to do with your lunch. Are you going to hoard it? Or are you going to give it? Would you be faithful? Would you be a part of God's plan and help in the cause of Christ and missions? Or would you come this morning and give your life to him? You say, Brother Billy, I, I, I'm not able. I'm not able. Brother Eddie Goddard has preached all across this country. He's 77 years old now. God's used him in a wonderful way. Had a church up in West Virginia. Stayed there 11 years. It went from about 40 up to about 1,200. God blessed it. But you know where he used to be a member of? Church up here, some of you old folk would know about. Up in Raleigh, North Carolina. You know who was the pastor of that? He was a gypsy. His name was Lonnie Graves. Before I ever knew Eddie Goddard, I met Eddie at Tennessee Temple. Lonnie Graves came in 1970 up to Tennessee Temple and preached in chapel. He gave his testimony of how he, he didn't even hardly wear shoes until he was about 18 years of age. Told about how he lived a life of a gypsy and how God saved him, how God did that for him. And he said, you know, I didn't have nothing and I wasn't nothing, but I gave him everything. And what's happened in my life is because of him. God did that. I want to ask you a question. Would you give him your little bit? You say a dollar a week wouldn't be much. It'd be what you could give. And God will bless that. He'll bless others and he'll bless you if you'll do that. Let's bow heads for prayer. Brad's going to come. I asked Brad if he'd sing his song again for me this morning. I want you to listen to the song. And here's what I want you to do. Will you give your heart to him? Would you give your life to him? Would you give your burdens to him? Give your cares to him? If, he do, if you'll do that, he'll take it. He'll receive it. And he'll bless it. Would you give him of your gifts? 
You say, Brother Bill, I can't give much. You give what you can. You make a promise to the Lord to give something every week to missions. And I'll, I'll watch what he does for you. The lesson is in the leftovers. Because this boy gave everything, he ended up would have multiplied many times over what he'd have had if he'd just held on to his little bit. Plus, he blessed all those people and all the disciples. And here we are this morning, 2,000 years later, and I'm still talking about that little boy. I want you to stand together. I know God laid this on my heart. I know he laid the the, the passage of scripture on my heart. I I just begged him to just speak because I didn't know exactly what to say or what to do. And I I trust and he spoke to your heart. I want to ask you this morning, would you turn loose? Would you give him all your lunch? Would you give him all of your life? Cast every care on him? I'm going to tell you the lesson will be in the leftovers. It's what you get as a testimony. There'll be a testimony down the road that God's grace is exceedingly abundant and he can do exceedingly abundant above all that you're able to ask or think if you'll just give it to him.